0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study, 7 a.m. Eastern. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Wednesday, July 24, 2019, and today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are in the chapter, More About Alcoholism, on page 43, reading the first paragraph, just that paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, Janice B., Leon B., Ginger C., Tenzin P., Pam M., our newcomer greeter Jason K., Announcements Janice P. M., and our host for the second hour, Nadia B. The reference numbers for yesterday's Wednesday, July 23, 2019, 7 a.m. meeting is... 13,187, that's 13187. And for yesterday, July 23rd, 10 a.m. Eastern Meeting is 13,189, that's 13189. OA Preamble, OVE Readers Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Tenzin. Good morning,
1: Uh, Tenzin P. checking in from uh, New York City. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked Him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a good day.
0: Thank you, Kenton. I will now ask for Pam M. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Pam. Mm.
2: Blessed morning, everyone. This is Pam M., recovered from upstate New York, calling to do service today for my family vacation in Puerto Rico. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is whom express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, accepting matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole.
3: Five, each group
2: has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise of problems of money, property, and prestige to divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on traction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you. Have a blessed day.
0: Thank you, Pam. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting, again, does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book on the chapter more about alcoholism. We are on page 43 in the first paragraph, and I will ask Janice B. to get us started. Go ahead, Janice.
4: Thank you. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B. We covered compulsive overeater in Vermont grateful to be here grateful to be doing service and opening my mouth okay um, Fred's story speaks for itself we hope it strikes home to thousands like him he had only he had felt only the first nip of the ringer most alcoholics have have to be pretty badly mangled before they really commence to solve their problems okay, so um a long time ago, before there were electric um, washing machines or dryers, there were hand hand cranked ones, and the wringer was was what you these two rollers that you would feed your clothes through and and the clothes would go through the ringer and and squeeze all the water out of it. So um, if you get your finger in there, would it would really hurt? Um, and I think it was called a mangle. I th- I think that ringer might have been called a mangle, but I don't. I'm not sure about that. Anyway, so they're trying to get across that there's pain. There's pain in, involved, and that sure was true for me so the story about fred and what they're trying to get across here i believe is um, that self uh, that um alcoholics with hardly an exception will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge and my history has been oh i'm not that bad i'm not that bad um you know i would be in the, i would be stuck in the quicksand um totally dem- totally demoralized um from binging um but as soon as i as soon as i grabbed a hold of um this o- overeaters anonymous and someone got pulled out of the quicksand and i was on solid ground again i would start thinking and um and rationalizing and minimizing and um saying oh i i wasn't I, maybe i'm making too big a deal out of this well i did that over and over and over and over again for i don't know over 20 years and um and you know finally i I don't know what kind of compulsive overeater I am, but I know one thing for sure that I have a problem with food and and that no matter what I did, I was unable to stay stay abstinent without working this program um, and i I continually learn um you know I, I'm always learning and and needing to stretch myself to do to do more um and for me right now doing more is is really getting out of isolation and um having just a few people that i talk to i i need to um I need to expand and uh, and i'm so grateful how how much. This God has given me, and um, the life that I have now, when I look back over to my shoulder of who I used to be and who I am now there's there's a big difference uh It starts with food, but that's only that's like ground zero that's the beginning of of um, a change. and with that, I pass. thank you for letting me share.
0: Thank you so much, Janice B. We are now going to open it up for those who would like to share and who was commented. If you haven't shared in a couple of days, we'd certainly love to hear from you first. Lisa B. Nancy
5: Nancy B.
4: Mississippi Rossam I Ellen.
5: Ellen. P B.
0: Ginger C. Ginger C. Okay, I missed a couple of people. I Eileen B. Was it?
5: Irene, Irene. Irene,
0: okay, got it. So I have Lisa B., Nancy P., Russ M., Ginger C., Eileen B., who did I miss? Maureen H. Who? Lauren H.? Maureen. Oh, Maureen, I got it, okay.
6: Thank you. Maureen H. And Amy, I think that was Nancy T., as in Tom.
0: Nancy T., as in Tom. Thank you very much for clarifying. Okay, anybody else? all right well that's a good group to start with super group lisa b nancy t russ m ginger c irene b and maureen h all right lisa b followed by nancy t you're
7: up good morning thank you my name is lisa b i am a recovered compulsive overeater in greenville south carolina and thank you for your service i wanted to share some examples of being uh you know Nip, few early nips at the ringer. My first experience of um, not being able to stop binging, I was in a new apartment in my early 20s and I could not stop compulsively eating peanut butter toast. And I, I was so scared and I called my mother up to have her come and help me and get me out of the apartment. I thought if I could just be physically removed from the premises that that would be enough, and thus began my journey of self-knowledge, thinking self-knowledge would work, going into books and studying and therapists and counseling, and there must be some deep, dark, horrible secret inside of me. You know, that's an early nip of the ringer, and I know that this illness is chronic, it's progressive, it's fatal, that once I turn into a pickle, I never can go back to a cucumber, and I knew that day that I was screwed. I knew that this would be a lifelong um, thing that I was dealing with that's an early nip of a ringer that I wanted to share about another one is when I came into this fellowship OA and this was my very first um, well actually I had one experience with OA meeting maybe 30 or 25 or 28 years before I came to a vision for you so I really look at this as my first experience with OA and um, when I got a recovered sponsor and she began to share with me her experience of what happened to her and when we were in step approaching step 10 she shared with me how she had gone through all of the amends and she never wanted to do 10 steps and that she relapsed and you know i learned from her experience so thank god for today i have been um I've been saved from that and that how I can learn from other fellows that have gone on before me. I learned from her nip of the ringer that if I don't do my 10 steps, I will go back out. Another nip of the ringer is Um, spiritual malady how it's chronic it's progressive and it's fatal even in recovery you know my wellness my sobriety my awakened state continues to grow and progress but so does my illness it grows and progresses right along neck and neck you know with the awakened state and that if I don't continue to grow and enlarge my spiritual state recovery through work and self-sacrifice through others, with others, working with others that share the same first step experience that I have and living in my 10 steps and my 11 steps, completing all of my amends that I'm consciously aware of, you know, that I will, um, I will go back and pick up again and how that nip of the ringer would start to grab at my ankle of amends that I didn't want to do um, and I would feel the pain, and thank God I haven't picked up, but I've been able to throw myself even deeper into the program. So I hope that that helps another fellow, and with that I pass.
0: Perfect timing. Thank you, Lisa B., Nancy T., followed by Ruff M. Go ahead, Nancy.
6: Thank you, Amy. Good morning, everybody. Nancy T., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Lewiston, Idaho, bright and early this morning. So grateful to be here with you all. why do I have to be so badly mangled? Why do I have to be desperate? You know, I love it when I get a new sponsee who's who's crying and just giving up and she just doesn't know what to do and she says the words, I'm just desperate. Because for me, I wouldn't do the work until I was desperate. It doesn't matter why it has to be that way. It's just the way it is for me. Not everybody has to be as badly mangled as I was before they – Um, get help, but many of us do. Um, You know, Harlan says all the time on this line, as do other people, this program is not for people who want it. And I wanted it so bad. Oh, I wanted it. And it's not for people who need it. Oh, I needed it. I needed it. My top weight was 372 pounds. And um, I was getting physically beat up. But it's for people who do it. And for me, for this compulsive overeater, I wouldn't do the work until I was at that desperation level. Um, so what is def- what did that badly mangled state look like for me? Well, I already told you a top weight of 372 pounds and no, I'm not 12 feet tall. So that's not an acceptable weight. Um, I've had 18 surgeries. Not all of them were weight-related, but many of them were. I've had my knees operated on, my feet operated on, my shoulders operated on, my back operated on. It goes on and on. Um, even the gallbladder surgery could be related to the way I ate my diet. Um, countless relapse, one after another, after another, after another. Um, isolation, depression, shame, all oh, the humiliation. You know, normal people... Um, Go up and down in their weight, ten or twenty pounds. I go up and down in my weight by the hundreds. I've lost a hundred pounds more than once. I've lost two hundred pounds one time and maintained it for a while, but it wasn't permanent um, i have a I have dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde emotions that emotional roller coaster up and down, broken relationships with family. How many times have I made amends to my family only to go back into the food and turn back into this? um crazy lady where i'm just insane my life today is nothing compared to that i don't live in shame and humiliation and guilt i have i can focus on what i have to be grateful for even on those bad days i can see the good in my life today and that is only because of a relationship that i have that is growing each day with my higher power um, I am so grateful for this recovery. I was mangled physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and today I am growing spiritually. I have a relationship with a higher power who I seek out my direction. I start my day with all of you because that is the way I can be free of this. Um, thank you so much for allowing me to share.
0: Thank you, Nancy P. Russ M., you're up, followed by Ginger C. Go ahead, Russ.
8: Good morning, Amy. Morning, fellas, Russ Sam, cover compulsive overeater outside of Philly. So, you know, fortunately for me, um, you know, everything was upside down, unlike Fred. You know, Fred had everything in order except to drink, you know. For me, this disease impacted every aspect of my life, you know, uh, and that, uh, that mangled term. That was the story of my life. I was always behind the A ball, even from my youngest memories. You know, it was always wrapped around food and how how I could get what I want out of life and not getting what you know, what I want out of my life, you know, grow me more into the food. I didn't you know, I just wasn't I don't want to say prepared, it's just something that was natural to me. This is the way I was wired. And you know, it took everything. It took everything except my family. And uh, you know, I wish it was. I wish I was like Fred in, in a way that I had other things in order. Because you know, I still feel like I'm behind the eight ball. But at least I have a plan now. At least I have freedom. At least I have. At least I have a way of life. No matter what, good, bad, and different, that spiritually, I I I can, or in every aspect of my life, I can be regular pretty like I'm close to normal. I mean, you know, I'm not going to be normal, me, but <laughs> I could be close to normal because of this pro- program. And um mm-hmm. you know, I I wouldn't have anything if it, if it wasn't for his program. If it wasn't for God and and the way this this book just related to me because you know, I I, I you know, I felt like the Jay Walker, you know, and and Jim and cause I'm a human being, I feel we all feel these emotions. I just couldn't deal with life, so you know I'm going on here but my 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 point is if it wasn't for this program, I'd have nothing and it doesn't matter whether you're rich good looking what whatever you have the disease, you have it, it doesn't discriminate, and uh you know it stole a lot from me, but thank god you know i'm be I'm being blessed by working this program working with others and developing a spiritual life. So, y'all have a great day. Love you.
0: Thank you, Russ. Okay. Ginger C. It's your turn followed by Irene B. Go ahead, Ginger.
9: Hi, good morning, Amy. Thank you so much for your service. This is Ginger C, recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. This really small paragraph has a really important message and it's telling us that there's different bottoms. There are different floors on that elevator. Fred, he got off early. He just had the first nip. And then others, they have to be pretty badly mangled. And on 23 in the AA 12 and 12, it says they were spared that last 10 or 15 years of literal hell the rest of us had gone through. So anyone who's eating today or in relapse Can today's pain be enough to put the fork down and get busy and get better? And only God knows that answer. You know, my personal experience, I had to be pretty badly mangled in a way. I took it not only down to the shaft of the elevator, I kept digging below it. But AA, I got off. It was like probably top floors. It It was early. It wasn't that badly mangled. But again that's none of my business until i'm convinced and i'm ready really to commence which is to begin or to start because of the pain that's pressing in nothing's going to happen but i love that we do have this opportunity here do i have to keep digging today do i have to go on to the bitter end again it's up to you and your higher power but until we're really done and out of ideas Cause this program it requires a lot of work it's a lot of action a price has to be paid because it's the destruction of our self-centeredness this ego and that is not easy work and it's not overnight and it will continue for a lifetime because you are going to be alive and breathing until your last breath so i'm just so grateful again um that i finally did get to that place. Because the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had this curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved as in fact it proved to be. And that was exactly my experience. For the first time, I got clean and clear with the food, completely put it down. My sponsor said, when in doubt, you're going to leave it out. And that's what I did. And early on in this program, I started feeling this relief, this new place of being in life without food that wasn't so damn painful. It wasn't that hard. It was actually pretty easy. Because the allergy wasn't coming in and tripping me out. And there was freedom early on. And he would say, you're going to be amazed before you're halfway through. I was like, well, I'm a pretty amazed right now, right here, only 30 days in. So there is so much hope if you're eating. It happens. It's real. You're hearing it day after day on this line. But you gotta commence, you gotta begin and start. And with that I pass.
0: Thank you, Ginger C. All right, Irene B, you're up. Followed by Maureen. Good morning. Thank you so much for
5: your service. I am Irene B, a recovered bulimic from Louisiana. You know, um, what a privilege it is to be able to say I'm recovered from bulimia and um, not as recovered with regard to the emotional eating, but but I have peace and I have a life that's opposed to being dead, alive, and that's a gift. And without this program and without my God, there is no way that that, that would be possible. And I've been in OA only since August of 2017, so here we are. I'm about to have my two-year anniversary in OA, and by the grace of God, somebody told me about vision a few months after being in OA, and vision has become my lifeline. Because there's so much recovery, so much understanding, wisdom, and humility, and experience, strength, and hope. And for me, I wish I could say that I was a high bottom, but I'm a low bottom you can get. But I know that if I'm not careful and if I don't stay on guard, my lowest of bottoms will be nothing compared to my next bottom because that's just the way this disease works. That's just the way it is. But um, but I wanted to share something that, that is quite striking. I've known I have a problem with food since I was little, but I didn't think the problem was food. I thought the problem was willpower, because if I had willpower to diet, then I wouldn't be fat. But I've known all of my life that food is the problem. And what I've recently come to know that food is not the problem at all. It's a solution. It's a solution to my problem. And we say that all the time, that food is not the problem. It's a solution to the problem. But then what is the problem? Okay, the buildup of human emotion, and um, and that is something that I couldn't control because of my crazy mind and the way that my mind thinks, and my crazy core beliefs that are just so twisted and that they need untwisting, and I can't do it by myself because I can't. I tried for, like, 30-plus years, and I couldn't do it on my own, but with God's help, it's happening, and Guys, in- I- thank you so much. I pass. Thank you so much,
0: Sherry. Maureen
10: H. You're up. Hello, good morning, Maureen H. Recovered compulsive eater in um, South Florida. Oh, I love this this line. You know, most alcoholics had to be pretty man, badly mangled, and it's such a story of my life in program. I've been in program for, I don't know, six or seven years. I've been on vision for a very long time of that time. And yet I've hit some of my lowest lows in program, you know, and just, you know, seven or so months ago, completely flabbergasted that I found, you know, I'm binging again and doing things that I had never done with food, gone to like extremes that even in my heyday, you know, heyday. Uh, Before program, never did with food and things I would be so ashamed of. And it's just crazy how progressive the disease really is. Despite all the big book knowledge and self-knowledge and all that stuff that I had crammed in my head, I didn't get it in my heart. And I didn't understand what I understand now um, about who I am as a compulsive eater, how powerless I really am. And I'm just so grateful that during my last binge and, and last relapse, you know, I reached out, I got honest with people. I said, listen, this is what I'm doing. I know this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. What am I missing here? What am... And everybody pointed to step one powerlessness, the fundamental flaw in how I think about my control and power around the food and they helped me to see things i was doing with the food that how could i say i'm powerless to the food if my life and my life is unmanageable if i'm still like taking all this control over the food and making these decisions and acting like i have power of choice and that i have the power to say oh i can do this on the fly or i have the power to say yeah i can just throw in an extra couple of veggies. What's the big deal? It's just a couple of veggies. And I cannot believe how badly mangled I had to get despite looking healthy, recovered, putting that happy face on, you know, despite being only, you know, within a couple of pounds of what people would consider an ideal body weight, like despite all those outward appearances, I still knew the turmoil in my own heart. So like, no matter what the outside looks like, I know that I was, I know I was a mess on the inside. I know I didn't have it. I know I didn't get it at that gut level that now Fred has got it. Now, you know, Jim got it. All these people who got it, quote unquote, in the, in you know, like we've been reading about. And even then getting it. So then I can begin the work because once I got it, then the real work started. Putting the food down, putting up um, food boundary, getting to a new place with the steps. And I just, Represent, 100% hundred recommend, stick
0: with it, and get to that place of clarity of powerlessness. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We are on page 43, first paragraph. Who else would like to share on what was read? Mary Ann V.
7: Ramona Mary- A. Mary-Ann Sandra v. S. Ramona A. Sandra S. Donna. Gina. Carolyn SH. Donna. I think
0: it was Donna H. And Carolyn. SH. SH. One, two, three, four, five. All right. Kelly F. Okay. We're going to hold right there. See if we can get everybody in. I have Mary Ann C. Ramona. You didn't get the last initial. Um, M. Ramona M. Okay. Thank you. Sandra S., Donna H., Carolyn S.H., and Kelly F., Donna G., okay, got it. All right, so, Marianne C., you're up, and Ramona A., you are second. Go ahead, Marianne.
11: Hi, this is Marianne. Uh, It's V as in Victor. I don't know if you said V or not. Anyway, uh, yeah, thank you you for letting me share. Uh, This one really touched me. I don't share very often. (laughs) Um, it touched me because i am a very low bottom food addict i um experienced so many illnesses because of my morbid obesity that i can't even go through the list um some of it maybe was exacerbated by the obesity and not caused by it um but i i always want to share that, you know with the younger people who haven't experienced all the you know the awful results of this addiction that um you know please please stay with this stay with this program stay with your recovery don't give up on yourself and take it very seriously because because my consequences could have killed me uh literally I'm di- type 2 diabetic who became hypoglycemic as well because I say because my pancreas is so confused that when I start to eat my pancreas thinks I'm starting a binge and pumps out the insulin so um I had to have both my knees replaced at the age of 57, and after the second one had a um, pulmonary embolism that didn't obviously kill me but could have. And, you know, if the obituary read pulmonary embolism, well, if I hadn't been morbidly obese, I wouldn't have needed those knee replacements so soon. So, um, you know, that, diabetes, hypoglycemia, high blood pressure, you know, And I'm still, you know, dealing with the consequences of all those years. I I gained and lost over 100 pounds so many times that my cardiologist um, gave me the dubious distinction of having the largest weight swings he ever saw in a patient. And he didn't say it in a mean way. He was saying it in the context of how happy he is that I've been able to maintain a normal body weight now for five years or plus. And... um, He's so glad that I'm, you know, in recovery and not hurting myself anymore. So I'm so grateful, so grateful, and especially grateful for these Vision for You meetings uh, where there's such strong recovery and where everybody uh, that I hear on the line anyway takes it very seriously that this disease is a killer, that it doesn't go away, just like my diabetes, that I need daily maintenance and I have to start all over again every morning and I love starting my morning listening to these vision for you meetings and I love it so much that I helped to uh, create an OA face to face meeting here in our area that's patterned after vision and um the first after the first week we had 15 people the second week we had 20 and we'll see what tomorrow brings for our third week so thank you everyone on the line Mary Ann V
0: Thank you, Marianne. Ramona A., you're up, followed by Sandra S.
12: Hi, this is Ramona A., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Vermont. And as I listen, you know, I can identify with so much that people have said, you know, most everyone actually. When I say, am I a low bottom or high bottom, I probably all of the above. I'm walking, so there's a car coming. It'll pass. Um, But I... So... Okay. Uh, I say I'm a medium-bottom food person because I I didn't gain all that much weight, but I sure I went up and down and up and down like a yo-yo. I never knew. I didn't know anything about addiction or compulsive eating. And after years, you know, I I knew, thought, you know, I've got an illness of some sort. I just didn't know what it was. But the mental, the emotional part, the unmanageability part, oh, I was a low bottom there. And still am, still could be. I can still, if I don't do the step work that is needed daily, you know, and my disease will even tempt me not to do that, you know, oh, forget those 10, step 10s, you know, this is okay, you're doing just fine, no big deal. Pretty soon the food thoughts can come back in, and like people have said, you know, the food is the last thing to go, but it could go so quickly if I don't work this program. So that surrender, that total surrender to God has come slowly, gradually over time. So if anyone out there is struggling with that, just keep working, just keep going, because what brought me in here, desperation, yes, and hope, because I saw, finally saw somebody introduce me, the value of the 12-step program, working the 12 steps, and that's That meant everything to me. So, yes, I'm recovered now. I'm recovered for today. I'm at my, you know, very healthy weight and just walking the roads in beautiful Vermont. And, boy, what a gift. What a gift I have. So just be patient, people, and keep coming and keep working. And anything can be yours, too. Thanks. I pass.
0: Thank you so much, Ramona. Sandra S, I think it was, followed by Donna G. Go ahead, Sandra.
3: Good morning to all of my fellows. I'm Sandra S from Oklahoma, and I just wanted to comment on this paragraph. At first, I want to say I'm so grateful for OA and uh, vision for you. I was so mangled when I walked into my first OA meeting, which was the 9th of April of this year. I have just past 105 days of abstinence. I am so grateful and so thankful because I have witnessed how different my life has changed from physical to emotional to psychological. My uh, uh, self-awareness has been, the QAD has just been amazing. And I thank God for Uh, my last doctor's visit. I was taken off of two of my high blood pressure medications because it was just too much it was keeping my blood pressure too low so for that i am grateful and i want everyone to realize that knowing on a daily basis that food is cunning and is baffling and it's sneaky and it's deceptive on sunday after church i was in the store and i've been in god's ministry 23 years but i have never sought god like i have sought him with this program and it's an amazing journey but i was in the store and as i turned around i looked i had no idea i didn't even think about it i was face to face with one of my favorite desserts that i love to pick up and the only thing that i could do to celebrate is i start stabbing at it with my stalk of bok choy and telling that dessert you can't touch this i'm covered by the blood i'm covered by Uh, my higher power. And so a little girl was watching me, and um, she asked me if I was okay, and, of course, I had to tell her I was okay. But she she was baffled too, but she was an overweight little girl. I saw myself in her. And I just want to tell those who are basically newcomers, hey, there's hope here in this program. There is hope. Hold on, pain ends, because my life is a lot less painless than it was particularly emotionally and i feel what it is to be happy happy and to make clarity uh, a sense of some of the decisions that i've made so thank you so much a vision for you thank you for all of you who have given service this morning and with that i will pass have a great day
0: thank you so much Sandra, donna g you're up followed by carolyn sh go ahead donna
13: Hi, this is Donna G. Grateful to be recovered in Pennsylvania. Um so uh I felt led to share today um and uh, mostly having to do with my gratefulness. Um I have I my desperation came in the form of diabetes and um I was very resentful when I found out I had it. I have a very large family, uh physically. I mean, um you know, <laughs> Literally and um, figuratively. Um, and I was mad because nobody else in my family had diabetes and some were much bigger than me. Um, and I remember talking about that with my sister and telling her that I had these resentments. I was mad. And she's in another 12 step program and she said, Well, my sponsor would probably say to you that um, you were, you're the lucky one. And I said, well, you tell your sponsor she's sick, because that's a really sick way to, to look at it. I don't even know what she means by that. But after getting into OA and um, really understanding um, how blessed and lucky I am, I you know, I consider myself grateful now to have been given that gift of desperation through, through that disease. Um, and because nothing else, I, I believe nothing else would have brought me um, to my knees and would have brought me to a place of um, where I could surrender to my higher power, who I call God. Um, so I'm just grateful for that. And uh, one other thing, I'm a very metaphoric person. and my mother had an electric ringer washer when we were kids. So it wasn't uh, you didn't have to crank it yourself. The, the ringer worked off of um, electricity. And I was scared to death of that ringer washer because I do vaguely remember her getting her hand stuck in it once in the ringer. And, um, there was a release, there was an emergency release that would open Ringers happen. But I, I don't know if both hands were stuck or whatever, but I remember she had to rely on someone to come and she had to yell for someone to come and release that with her hands stuck in there. And, um, I was scared to death of that. And, um, you know, I just, I just wanted to share that metaphor because I think, you know, um, although it's work, it's, it's the beginning. The beginning is calling out for help. The beginning is believing that we need someone to release us. We can't do it ourselves. We're stuck in the ringer, and, um, and I just, I just wanted to share that because I, I just, I kind of remember that and, and how scared I was um, of the ringer. Um, had no choice in my, my own get. Stuck in the ringer with my, my eating, but um, thank God I was able to to ask my higher power to release me um, and to work the steps and begin the work. Um, so I just encourage all newcomers to keep coming, keep listening, um, and um, mm-hmm. to keep asking for help. Um, you're not you're not stuck. You can be released. With that, I'll
0: pass. Thank you, Donna. All right, Carolyn S H followed by Kelly F. Go ahead, Carolyn. Hi, good morning. Thanks,
14: moderator. Carolyn S.H., grateful, um, recovered compulsive eater in Massachusetts. Um, most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled before they really commence to solve their problems. Um, uh, what pops out um, to me with that sentence is the phrase um, that, uh, very, from the very beginning of the chapter, in the first paragraph of this chapter, um, that the idea that somehow someday he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. And the persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. Um, and my, my brand of um, being badly mangled um, was getting pretty darn close to insanity. Um, and it just kind of struck me that, like, I don't I, this is my interpretation. I have no idea if it was meant this way, but insanity or death. Like you're going to go to one of the two and insanity was was where I was going. Um like I I just had so many thoughts and oh, I forgot to start my timer.
0: I got you. No worries.
14: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um I had so many like I would I would so often get to the point of um, contemplating suicide because I could not control my thoughts. And I really appreciated what I heard about, um, like the ringer is an automatic thing. Like you can't control it. Like you're just kind of caught in it. And that's exactly, um, how I used to live like over and over. It it was, it was just, it was just awful. It was living in a nightmare. And I also appreciated what I heard about, like my, my outsides. um, it kind of betrayed my insights. Like I just felt completely like out of control. Um, just, I didn't want to live. And yet on the outside, I look great. Like I, I, and, and like I could really hide it. Um, uh, and nowadays having been recovered for years and knowing that um, like my higher power is in charge and Uh, last night I um, for the first time in about eight months or so I had a food thought and boy did it like wake me up I was like whoa what's going on and actually I knew exactly what was going on Um, there's one specific situation where I'm feeling powerless and I don't want to be powerless Um, and for me to get to the point of a food thought that's huge and I mean that that is now the worst thought that can come into my mind is pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Um, And I know exactly what to do. I know, you know, um, to double down on my steps um, and to to talk to higher power even more about that and to let go of that, you know, that issue. I need to um, really go back to paragraph one here um, with that issue and completely let it go and understand how powerless I am. yeah, and I think that's all I have today. Uh thanks.
15: Perfect timing. Okay. Thank you so much.
0: Kelly L, your turn.
15: Hi. As in Frank in California and I'm on West Coast time, but I'll see you guys in Newark. And um I could just identify with Fred. I thought that I hit a rock bottom and my rock bottom also had different floors. I thought edging my daughter out, my seven year old daughter. Um, We were both eating funnel cake, and I was trying to get more, and there was powdered sugar everywhere, and my son was on a roller coaster. And I remember thinking, when he gets off, he's going to want some, so I better eat faster and more. And I I didn't even touch my rock bottom. I just realized I had an audience watching me of kids seeing me in relapse recovery, not eating sugar, wanting their candy. Um, But all of a sudden, the frosting didn't do it. The pizza didn't do it. I would order two pizzas from home, roll down my window, ventilate a slice, um so if you ever were driving down the freeway and saw someone with a pizza out that was me but to be honest i still do that now with abstinent food so i'm not sure if that was crazy or a brilliant ventilation system um but it just reminds me i love all music but guns and roses i used to do a little but the little wouldn't do it so the little got more and more my rock bottom got lower and lower and um it wasn't on the sugar and the white flour the white sugar and white flour down i just picked up other it was whack-a-mole other stuff came up so um, the last rock bottom I had that I can recall, I was in Denver, Colorado for work and I was so restless, irritable and discontent. I looked out my hotel window and I saw a gas station and it was cold. I put on a hoodie, the hoodie over my head, went in and I bought nuts, chips, popcorn. And the, I remember the cashier, he's like, you doing okay tonight, ma'am? Cause I'm sure I looked crazy. And I went back to my room, ate everything until I got stuffed and um, I put the bag outside my hotel because I didn't want to see it. And the next morning I woke up and the bag was still there and I was mortified. I want to binge with no consequences. Story of my life. I want what I want, what I want. It It doesn't matter who's in my way. I'm a wrecking ball. Um, so that food still filled me with disgust, shame, um, demoralization, and I got a call from an Ebby and I was I was sleeping in the binge nap, the nap in the middle of the day, because I'm so depressed from that volume of food. And she spoke to me in the most loving way and talked to me about a structured way to do it. And I half tuned her out, no, thank you. Um I know best. Um but I couldn't get that conversation out of my head. And today, as I call in, you know, I'm six months back to back black and white abstinence and I've heard my food is black and white so I can live in color. So God bless people who carry this message and for make those calls. For me, when I reached out in the beginning, the phone weighed 500 pounds, but it's either the phone or it's going to be me there. Um, and today, with God, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. Even in the hardest days, I'll take the hardest day abstinent, than the best day in the food. And there was no best day in the food. Um, and now I have a tribe. I have people. I am not alone. And I couldn't do this alone. But my whole life, I felt so alone in this disease. Um, and I'll wrap up. And now, um, and now I have my people. And, I, and yeah, I, I'm going to quote another fellow. I've waited my whole life for you guys. So grateful to be in the solution with you today. Thanks, Pass.
0: Thank you, Kelly. Okay, we have time for one more share. Who would like to share what was read? Take us out. Hi, this is Fran M. Fran M, please go hey, ahead. Yeah. Sorry, Katie, I got Fran in there. Fran, go ahead.
16: Thank you so much. Um, I'm Fran M. from New Jersey. I was so inspired <laughs> by the last share because I just want to share that um. I'm an under-eater at this stage though I came in as a compulsive over-eater with 50 pounds to lose and a really violent binge-starve anorexic compulsive overeating history and I love the story about the funnel cake because I kind of deteriorated in my abstinence and while being thin And while not binging on sugar, I deteriorated to the point where I would hide food from my kids. I was so obsessive about even abstinent food. I would buy special food or special, could be blueberries, could be a new kind of vegetable. And I didn't want anyone to touch it because my life and my stability And my whole control of my day depended on me eating that particular food. So I just want to say, I know it's rare, and I know my story is a little unusual, but it wasn't. I mean, 40 years ago I was the same as most people sharing on this line, a horrible binge disorder, going into gas stations, eating out of the garbage pail, eating till I was sick, hating my life. But over the years, as I stopped working the steps and kind of dropped out of program, it came back in funny ways, but it's there, and it's still the same compulsion because I really identified with not wanting my kids to walk in the door while I was hiding certain foods so they couldn't get it. And that's the crux to the disease, that we're so afraid of life that we just have to crawl into these little obsessive spaces, whatever they are, You know, with us in OA, it's food, but it could be all sorts of other things. And I'm learning that just because I don't binge anymore and just because I can eat a cookie, it doesn't mean that I'm recovered. I'm not recovered at all um, as long as I do those things. So thanks for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Fran. Okay. Looks like we are out of time. Sorry, Katie, hoping I could sneak you in there. All right, thank you everyone who shared. Please join us for another second awesome unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today's 7 a.m. Eastern meeting for Wednesday, July 24th, 2019 is 13,191. That's 13191. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Leon D., if you could please take us out with a vision for you, that would be great.
17: Good morning. Um, Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick.